and welcome to the Empowered Adoptee Podcast, where our goal and focus is to support the adoptee healing journey by providing tools that empower and sharing stories that inspire. So thank you for joining us. Welcome. In this episode, we're going to be talking about our own personal adoptee healing journey. Hey, Claire, how's it going? Hey, Lori. I'm so glad to be here. I'm excited and I'm so happy to share our stories and talk about healing. Awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Where do we want to start today? Well, I would like to just kind of address something that I feel like is important to say um, to our listeners, anyone who is listening to our podcast, and just I, I just want to put it out there. Uh, talking about healing, I want to just say that we're not therapists, we're not fixers, and not like anyone needs fixing, but that is not our intention for this podcast. We were just talking earlier, and sharing our intentions and I really feel like it's important to say our intention is just to spread love and we feel or I feel personally like this podcast is sharing love with anyone who wants to receive it and that looks like sharing our stories and our experiences with healing so that by doing so hopefully someone might be able to use the information, use our stories, resonate with them so that they can better support their own healing journey. So I just want to say we're not telling anyone what to do, how to heal. Um, Everyone has this innate intelligence within their own bodies, which allows them to know how to heal themselves and simply just providing these tools and sharing stories and experiences. I think that that is my way of showing love and supporting our community. Beautiful. That's all. Thanks for sharing that, Claire. I think it's really important to, you know, address that, um, you know, even though we do our own healing work and we have clients and um, we're not actually like LMFTAs and psychologists or psychiatrists. um, And uh, yeah, there's a fine line there. And now we all have this built-in ability to feel our feelings and know what's best for us and we definitely want to inspire people to ask these deeper questions and create a dialogue with their feelings and their emotions and to make it fun and safe and allow for those emotions to have a place to be able to be expressed and move and share so thank you so much yeah no thank you absolutely all right, are you ready to dive Let's in? Let's dive. Let's jump in. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Woo! We're doing a cold plunge. I'm oh, just I love kidding. a good cold plunge. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I don't love it, but I think it's it's definitely needed in my journey. I I, I see it happening in the near yes. future. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Lori. So something I've been wondering, and I would love for you to share. What has been the most impactful for you so far in your adoption healing journey oh my gosh that's a big question claire let me feel that out here okay what has been the most impactful for me so far on my adoption healing journey you know i think it really comes down to my relationships you know and um they've been super impacted by 
being adopted, you know, from my original uh, relationship to, um, you know, my biological, you know, mother and that separation. And then also, you know, being adopted. And even though, of course, my parents tried their best, you know, I, I felt um, that that relationship, I felt abandoned by them too, you know. And then um, I even recognized where I had abandoned myself, my relationship to myself as well. And, you know, I have really, you know, submerged myself into the area of healing relationships in my life and fostering healthy, loving communication, nonviolent communication in my relationships to be able to have relationships that can thrive and feel good and so you know the relationships for me were really hard back in the day before I I did the work and um, you know not that you know relationships are um, always going to be easy you know after doing the work because I feel like the work is something that is continuous in lifetime but they were definitely you know much more of a struggle before I did the work when I refer to doing the work I mean my first relationship is my relationship to myself and so I really worked on mm-hmm. being able to recognize like okay well what makes me happy what brings me joy and then being able to meet those needs and you know bring me my own happiness and bring me my own joy and you know, not look for outside circumstances to bring me that. And so I would say that was my first impactful relationship to was to myself and how to continue to, you know, to listen to what my needs are through my emotions when my emotions pop up and be like, yo, I need some love over here. And I'm like, okay, okay, self-care time. (laughs) So, you know, and just recognizing like, what is self-care for me? Because, you know, everyone's self-care is a little bit different, you know, and then being able to like know that I'm worthy to have my needs met, you know? So just that itself was Mm. like a huge leap for me to get to that point. Because before I developed that relationship to myself, I really didn't think I deserved anything or happiness or I just didn't really like have self-value yet, you know, because I was like always like, you know, Mm -hmm. I was taught to take care of other people and other people's needs that I didn't even consider my own. So when I really started considering my own and started really honoring my needs, that's a weird thing happened when other people started honoring my needs too. I'm like, whoa, check this out. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then my relationship to Mm -hmm. my parents and, you know, that's been, I could talk about that just alone, but, you know, that's been something that has continued to heal and grow through the years, thank goodness. And then intimate relationships and intimate, you know, partners where, when I was younger, you know, I kind of just was available for 
the opportunities that felt safe enough, not really recognizing even what I truly wanted, but just being like, oh, okay, this looks like it could be fun. And then realizing I'm like, actually, that did not feel good. And I feel completely drained and empty now to realizing that, oh, okay, I can actually have my needs met in what I want out of partnership and don't even get me started on abandonment issues you know that's been a long time thing to work on and it's been really great because once you recognize for me you know once I was really recognizing that I wasn't willing to abandon myself then it was it was a game changer yeah anyways I I think I'm gonna keep it that for now but thank you for asking Uh, well, I thank you for sharing that. I just had a question. I was something that just came to mind. I know that I, I was a beautiful sharing about how, and I reson- resonate with this a lot about how your relationships were to yourself were so important. And then, you know, because almost like the, when we enter into relationships with mm-hmm. other people, it's almost like it's the ultimate mirror, mirroring back to us what Absolutely. we see in ourselves, how we feel about ourselves and, and anything that oh, is yeah. triggering, it comes out in relationships, right? So that is where it's so hard for, you know, and I'll share a little bit later, but it's so hard for me to be in relationships because that is the ultimate I guess, I don't know what I want to say. It's the ultimate, just, it's just the mirror that, that is when we are triggered in our relationships and, and it sets off the trauma response. So I wanted to ask you, as far as that, do you, how much of your behaviors within your relationships are trauma responses? Well, you know, when I was younger versus now, it was a lot different for sure. You know, I think my trauma response when I was younger was fawning, I believe they call it, you know, the flight, fight, freeze or fawning, which was like the people pleasing and trying to make everything nicey nice and make everyone feel comfortable and safe, you know? And so I think that was definitely a trauma response for me of like, you know, feeling uh, non-confrontational. And, but what's interesting is on the flip side of that is I recognize that confrontation is actually really valuable and important when there's, it can be done in a, you know, a respectful, kind and loving space because it allows us to, you know, have an opportunity to talk about certain things that are uncomfortable, but need to be spoken about, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Some one of like what we are just talking about just brought up a story and I'm just I'd love to share it because it just talking about like the trauma response and and the patterns of behavior in my relationships, you know, it definitely impacted my, you know, relationships with partners. And I remember I had this this ex boyfriend that uh, we were, you know, in this relationship for a couple of years, and I believe, like, I just got so triggered, and all of my trauma mm-hmm. came out, and, like, you talked about the abandonment issues. I mean, that goes so deep within mm-hmm. me. I mean, deep. Like, I feel like I was just acting out of so much fear within my relationship. And so we had, I I think it was kind of like a codependent relationship. So 
I remember just going to this, um, we went to Cheesecake Factory, we were like, you know, go to happy hour or something, and it was just like, we we're just gonna like, unwind, it was a Friday afternoon, and it was just like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna relax and everything, and I was kind of like off guard, and then all of a sudden, he shared with me that he was going to consider taking a job like across the country, and I remember it hit me so hard, like, a ton of bricks like in my stomach it was just like a gut punch and all of my defenses kicked in and I just felt an immediate surge it was like ah, uh, my my whole system was in immediate like just oh my god it was like on fire and I just remember feeling so abandoned almost like it mm -hmm. was like crippling crippling trauma so and i i'm not trying to share this just to say like you know like oh my god this is what could happen if you're in a relationship but that was my response and i remember another story um that when i was younger my mom told me me and my sister we went uh i could think my mom had like pneumonia or she was really sick and there were three young children you know so that she wanted to get some help and so I think we went on a plane to stay with my grandmother and so um, you know she put us on a plane and we were going to go stay with my grandmother for a week while my mom recovered from pneumonia and you know it wasn't like we like we weren't really sure what was happening but I just remember being on the airplane and everyone was like so worried about my little sister because she was younger and they thought oh she's gonna cry I think it was like maybe she was three or four and I was a little bit older and I just remember, like, everyone was preparing my sister, like, it's okay, don't cry, you know, we're going to go and, you know, and, and we'll be back. And so everyone's worried about her. But as soon as I got on that plane, something kicked in and immediately triggered a response in my body. Like, I felt like I feel now looking back that it was my body remembering mm -hmm. coming from Korea, being adopted. And that feeling of like just the unknown. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I just was, I cried the entire flight and I screamed and cried. And people were like, what the hell is wrong with her? I was probably like seven or so. But I was just like, I just fell apart. And so that was just something that I remember. So that is just mm -hmm. inside of me as far as like my trauma responses. And that's how it kind of um, comes out. And so, but I, you know, what's been most impactful for me on my journey has been realizing that, you know, it is a part of us. Trauma is real. And the, the trauma is not what happens to us. It's not the event. It's not the, you know, relinquishment, adoption, our mother's giving us up. That is not the what happened. That's the event. But trauma is what is left behind inside of our bodies after mm -hmm. because of the event. And this is what stays inside of us. And Gabor Mate, he's just brilliant. And I don't know oh, if you're him. familiar. Yeah, yeah. So he has done, I've read a ton of work by him. And I just wanted to share something that he wrote about trauma. It makes so much sense. Trauma is a psychic wound that hardens you psychologically. And it interferes with your ability to grow and develop. It pains you. And then you act out of pain. It induces fear. Mm -hmm. We act out of fear. Trauma is a scarring that makes you less flexible, more rigid, less feeling, and more defended. I truly feel like I live most of my life in a trauma response. And what it looked like was I was going around just 
repressing, suppressing all of my emotions because it was too painful to let it come up and deal with it. So unconsciously, just on an unconscious level, I was just numbing out, you know, and it looked like addiction. And it looked like I was just like, you know, keeping busy with life. And I was numbing out. I was just doing all of the things just to avoid feeling anything. And I know that like, you know, when when I feel like what I want out of life, how I want to feel like there is part of me that doesn't want to feel the pain, of course, the lows. But I do want to feel the highs. I want to feel joy. Mm -hmm. I want to feel passion. I want to feel love. I want to feel all of the highs. But I know that if you don't allow yourself to feel, like truly feel the lows, you can't feel the highs. And part of my journey was, you know, I dealt with a lot of depression. So I was put on um, antidepressants, Prozac. And I just remember I hated it because it just, I was already dissociating from my body from the trauma, but it made me do that even more. Like I felt numb. I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't feel happiness. I couldn't feel sadness. I was like, this life is not worth living if I can't feel, right? <laughs> Ooh, just gonna take a minute because that was like a powerful mm -hmm. realization. Absolutely. Part of my healing journey was that I needed to feel. And so I looked for ways um, to feel more. And when I realized that like part of my trauma was actually, um, I think it manifested as just this feeling of shame. And I felt like my whole life, I was just living out of shame. Like I was ashamed of who I was, but also like I felt like inherently bad, like I was bad. And I was so ashamed of everything, like making mistakes, not getting people to like me, um, not receiving love, I wasn't worthy of it. Mm -hmm. And this was, um, you know, how I operated. So one of the most pivotal parts I think of my journey was when I realized that like um, shame, in order to overcome shame, it needs empathy and vulnerability. And like Brene Brown, I, I love Brene Brown and she like is brilliant. She talks about shame and vulnerability and the antidote to shame is just really being able to share your story in a safe place over and over again. And when I realized that some of it, I started to heal. Like I started to share my story. I started to connect with other people who felt, I felt were safe, you know, and they would empathize and, and not judge me and not tell me um, I need fixing. And I think the, the second thing that was um, a part of that was healing community. I realized oh, that that was mm -hmm. a part of my journey that I needed. I did so much of it solo. You know, I was just like in my own space trying to survive and, you know, do all the things. But once I discovered there's this whole supportive, safe community out here of adoptees and Korean adoptees, and I started to enter in these spaces and share my stories with other people and allow them to share their stories, I felt so much healing happen as a collective, as a community. So that was another part of it. Um, and I think the last part was just that I realized that like, <laughs> no one was coming to save me. This is my journey. And I had to, I had to figure it out. And it's like, you know, you kind of like, I was hoping and hoping that like, someone would just come and like, show me like, you need to do this. And no one was going to do that. They can't do that for us. We have to do it for ourselves. And we have to kind of like dig in within ourselves and find out what we need. Just like, you know, what are my parts needing and being able to, you know, feel that and meet our own needs. 
that at a very basic level because you're right like our relationships are all so connected and they're so relevant to our own healing if we cannot heal ourselves and meet ourselves where we're at and pay attention to our needs and and you know I spent my whole life looking outside of myself to have my needs met and you know that doesn't work <laughs> no one can meet all of our needs for us we have to do that and so yeah and just like and I mentioned earlier just the mirrors just having mirrors around me so to show and reflect back you know where I needed to grow and heal and um, and that's been the most amazing part of my journey realizing that and realizing that there are so many tools out there that we can use and we can use that to help with the trauma and like you know this trauma response you know what our nervous system is dysregulated we are constantly like I feel like our goal my goal is to achieve homeostasis and balance in every mm -hmm. area of, of my life and so and I when, I when I learn how to regulate my nervous system and get out of that fight, flight, fawn, or freeze mode and be able to regulate that for myself. It brought in so much clarity as far as I can be happy. I can feel everything, but not like become all my emotions. And I had ways to um, manage it, ways to manage the stress. So that has been, I think, really huge for me for my healing journey. Beautiful, Clara. Thank you for sharing so deeply and being so open and vulnerable about your, you know, internal journey and your healing experience. I feel that, you know, the highs and the lows, I definitely can relate. You know, you have to be able to be open to feeling both and that we're not living this life just to be at the top of the roller coaster, experiencing the highs all the time. And, you know, the lows mm -hmm. and the highs, they both create, you know, dimension and, you know, worthiness of, you know, just making it more valuable, you know, like sometimes we don't know how high we can get or even be able to like value the highs if we don't understand our lows and embrace those too, you know, and vice versa, you know. And so mm -hmm. I think that's important to remember. And I can also relate too with, you know, the whole like age of being medicated and you know we grew up when you know Prozac and SSRIs were just being developed and coming out and being tested on people like you and me and so I was definitely you know experienced depression when I was younger and mm -hmm. that a lot of that though um, I realized was all very situational for me you know like I personally was not like you know depressed person but it was because of like my surroundings and then uh, taking on um, like some really hard uh, belief systems and thoughts that made me feel like, yeah, you know, I don't deserve, you know, anything, you know, I'm a bad person. Like they mustn't, you know, these kind of thoughts that like, created that kind of depression. And so when I started changing my thoughts around, know my whole life changed as well and you know I only did the SSRIs for like I think I let them do it for like a year from age um like 14 to 15 and I was like nah 
I'm done with your zombie medications because I also, you know, it just made me feel like mm-hmm. I checked out even more with that. You know, of course, you're not going to be depressed when you're absolutely, you know, like shut down and an absolute zombie and mm-hmm. shell of a human being. I'm sorry. That's just my personal experience. I do know there's many cases and situations where it has helped a lot of people be able to get through an experience and help them be able to get to their next level of healing and awareness so i know that there are a lot of people who do benefit from them but it just wasn't Mm -hmm. for me particularly i get a lot more out of like being able to like take a walk in nature or swim in a lake or river or the ocean or putting on a song and dancing until i like sweat you know kind of thing that's more like my medicine and yeah and i love also what you said about like group healing versus solo healing like that has surprised me how powerful it is you know because like i've been doing this solo healing for a while and at times where i when i come into groups especially groups with other adoptees and then on top of it potentially other uh cads I'm like, whoa, like I'll feel emotions and feelings erupt inside of me when I hear someone else talk about their story because I know how that felt and how that feels. And then vice versa, when I share a story, Mm -hmm. a story that I've shared, you know, many times Mm -hmm. and don't really feel like I have any triggers or attachments to the story really anymore. And then it brings up so much emotion because the empathy present from the other people you know and that gave me an opportunity to go on an even deeper level of healing and release Mm -hmm. through having Mm -hmm. that um experience of being witnessed and that that true you know empathy can be able to really do so thank you for your share yeah yeah you're welcome thank you Wow, this is some heavy stuff. And I think just going back to like just that the topic of experiencing life, the highs and the lows. And I think like now I, you know, I am looking for that balance, a homeostasis and keeping like I don't think it's a bad thing to like have your nervous system spike and go into a little bit of your um, sympathetic nervous system because that's where growth happens like that. That needs to happen sometimes. But when we stay in that, Mm -hmm. fight or flight mode when we stay there then that's when um you know and we're not able to release that and bring it back to our parasympathetic we're not able to regulate that then we can go spend too much time in the sympathetic and then all of a sudden what's the opposite then it's like we spend all of our energy and then all of a sudden we crash and then we have to just go into the parasympathetic and we live there and it's almost like that depressed mode and it's like and and that's depression and then it's just finding that balance Mm -hmm. of being able to self-regulate um and what you know something that comes to mind is another book that i read um (laughs) peter levine waking the tiger is such a good book and he studies stress and the nervous system in wild animals and there's this video on YouTube that you can watch, and it is a um, a video of an impala being attacked by a tiger. So the impala is like, you know, oh my God, a tiger is about to eat me. And so what does the impala do? Um, they kind of dissociate and mm-hmm. they play dead. That's their 
response. They play dead. And then the tiger goes away. And then as soon as the tiger leaves the, like, the area and the impala is, like, realizes he's safe, what happens what is, is so fascinating. Like, he starts to do heavy breathing. Almost like he's breathing his life back into him, his body. And then he shakes it off, just shakes mm -hmm. uncontrollably, kind of like a dog will shake. And after that, the impala just gets up, walks away like nothing happened. What's happening inside that impala's body is completing that process mm. of the stress response and allowing the process to complete yeah. by shaking it out of its body. And it's so important to complete that because then the stress mm -hmm. stays Absolutely. in your body. And that's what happens with humans. We don't have that natural um, instinct to mm -hmm. shake off and to release our stress and the pressure and the trauma. So what I found is his work was so fascinating. And I really feel like it is something that um, is has led me to, I think, my healing journey like it really just it, it all made sense when i started to read about how the effects of stress and mm -hmm. in, in our bodies it, how it manifests and i think just working with like dozens and dozens of adoptees and korean adoptees like just really getting down to what is you know what is happening mm -hmm. on an emotional and physiological level as a result of their trauma and there has been so much chronic illness and chronic pain and yeah disease and this is the result of the stress manifesting in our body and um personally what it looks like for me type 2 diabetes i'm a youngish healthy um, human being and I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes for healthy but I wasn't like you know super unhealthy and wow I would never have known if you didn't mention it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah and so that was a shocker and and of course I didn't have my 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 um all of my health history because I'm adopted so like I had no warnings I had I couldn't look at you know like my mother and father or the family history the health mm -hmm. history so there wasn't anything for me to like prepare myself um so the other thing was it looked like um arthritis in my spine and my my neck and the upper vertebrae of my neck and for years and years and I I went to um chiropractors and um, massage therapists and acupuncture and um, mm -hmm. all of the things like several times a week to manage the pain because of the arthritis and I'm a young person like why do I have arthritis in my spine yeah it is now part of my healing journey where I've realized that doing modalities like breath work and releasing the stress and the pressure from my body just like the impala was able to do just getting to complete that process because the trauma the stress it all lives in our bodies the mm -hmm. body keeps the score right and that is yeah. like something that I have realized and I need to do this like on a daily weekly monthly basis find ways mm -hmm. to release the pressure and the stress and the trauma because my healing journey looks like now it's not like I'm cured, but I feel great. I don't have the the crippling pain in my neck and shoulders from the arthritis. Uh, I'm off of my my diabetes medication, and you know I'm able to you know uh, you know live a healthy lifestyle. 
-hmm. But there's so many of us that are living with chronic health problems and disease, cancer. Um, mm -hmm. And I believe that it's, um, it, you know, the trauma response, like going around, like fawning or like not people pleasing or not being able to say no, like this is a, a huge impact, a deathly impact. People who have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, they've done studies all mm -hmm. the participants in the study who have Lou Gehrig's disease, they were self-proclaimed people pleasers. They could not say no. Mm, wow. So when you are not able to find ways to say no in your life, mm -hmm. your body will say no for you and it will shut down. And it's just like something that I'm so passionate about because I'm like, once I, I saw this and I, you know, I've done so much like hours and hours and of like research and reading, but also going through like practitioner trainings and learning all this stuff and seeing it actually happening to people. Mm -hmm. Like this is this is just next level <laughs> shit for me. <laughs> yeah. So I just had to share that. Oh, wow. Awesome. Well, thank you. That's some powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. I want to just unpack that just a little bit and mm -hmm. share with our listeners that, you know, what's the difference of the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system? Because you had mentioned about that. And the mm -hmm. sympathetic nervous system is the part of our body's nervous system that has the role of, you know, carrying that system of alert, you know, of like there is anything from there is a straight up lion chasing you run with all your being mm -hmm. and starts releasing, you know, hormones like cortisol and stress hormones, but also adrenaline to help you like run really fast. But sometimes all that adrenaline starts pumping and you, there is no lion and the actual like trigger is the the held emotion or trauma that's in the body and naturally mm. we don't realize it but we just like soak everything up like sponges around us just as a natural form of just learning and growing but, you know, it sounds to me that you really found out that you came to a point that you realized that you didn't have to hold on to all that, you know, trauma in your body anymore because and the sympathetic nervous system is can be damaged and affected the nerves through continuous and prolonged trauma being held in the body and this is you know this is like science stuff here and hopefully it's not mm -hmm. too sciencey but i think it really connects with the emotional intelligence and also the spirituality as well and then on the flip side you have the parasympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic is where you know the emotions and the hormones that communicate uh, the signals to relax all the systems you know that's when you're gonna get like your dopamine your serotonin um, you know and a great way to bring those kind of emotions and hormones in is through empathy through love through deep care through like that you know mm. just mm. connectedness uh, to oneself or others and it really helps us to release and I kind of think of it when I talk to my clients, you know, about the positive effects of cranial sacral and it's like our bodies will experience something and it'll go <gasps> 
and then we just hold it, you know? And then we never, like, take a moment to go, ah, you know? We never really take moments to go, okay, now it's okay to relax. That moment could have been possibly Mm -hmm. scary. I got ready and braced for it, but actually everything's okay. And, ah, and so whether it be, you know, the breath work, whether it be dancing, whether it be working out or doing, you know, positive affirmations, tapping EFT, being able to connect with your body in ways to allow it to have that full exhalation and release and breath. And so thank you so much for sharing about that, Claire. Super powerful work that you're doing in your life. And I love that you've been able to see real tangible benefits from like your pain levels, not having to take your diabetes medications anymore. Like that's, that's huge, you know? And so thank you for sharing about that. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like this is my journey and I'm not trying to tell everyone this is what you should do. Uh, I I think it's always good to educate ourselves. You know, once I actually started to understand what was happening within my body and why I was, you know, having these patterns of behavior and addiction for years and years and years, almost my whole life. I said, like, I, I was like, enough, like, I'm done with it. I don't want to live my life this way. I think, um, you know, that was kind of like my, when I experienced that, like, you know, the, the very, you know, like my, my low, like my breaking point. And I was like, I'm done feeling this way. It Life should not feel this hard and I shouldn't be suffering this much. So I, you know, I want people to live happy, healthy lives without too much suffering. So I, you know, and I want to just say that there is so much hope, so much hope for all of us. And, you know, like as far as what everyone's healing journey will look completely different and you have to find your own way and, you know, and navigate that. Um, but you know, by doing the work, like you talk about Lori, doing the work on ourselves and healing ourselves is actually so impactful, not only healing ourselves, but we're healing generational trauma. Absolutely. The adoption trauma is present with all of us, Mm -hmm. but the generational trauma that is for everyone, the entire human race we all have generational trauma and that's the trauma and the you know everything the um the shame everything that is passed along from our mothers and our mother's mothers and their mother and it is like inside of our cellular makeup and so what i'm talking about is like the pressures that are put on us and like the trauma responses that aren't healed put on us by our ancestors and society it's like that you know it's like who are we with before everyone in the world tells us who we should be and how we should feel and how we should act so like some things that come to mind as far as like um generational generational trauma like my i guess being relinquished by my birth mother you know that's trauma but also what was she going through and i often wonder like how stressful for her was was the process of carrying me for nine months inside of her and then having to relinquish me or whatever happened 
like that kind of trauma is passed down through me. And then I will pass that down to my daughter. And in order to break the cycle, we have to do the work. And I think we are, we are doing the work we're, we're cycle breakers, <laughs> or some people call it transitional characters. We are ending the patterns that are being passed down through the ancestral lines and just in one generation, you know? So, and it, you know, we can go on about epigenetics, but like, it's a thing, you know, it's a thing. And I truly believe that this is powerful work that we are doing and everyone out there doing the work for themselves is also doing so much healing for not just them, but the world, because when we are hurt and living out of trauma responses, like hurt people, hurt people. That's right. Right. Yeah. And so in order to have more love in the world and more peace, I think it starts with us and healing ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime I, you know, it, I, you know, experience where someone seems like they're deliberately, you know, kind of being angry or hurtful, you know, um, it's probably, I'd say like, driving would be like the number one <laughs> kind of area and I just remind myself it's okay Laurie don't take it personally you know hurt people hurt people you know you know like angry people they try to anger other people to like mm -hmm. feed and play that game you know and I just try to remind myself that the only power I have is not over them, but over my own self, my own thoughts mm -hmm. and my own feelings. And do I want to keep my power or do I want to give it away to someone who probably doesn't deserve it? You know? Mm, amen. <laughs> you know, like every time I'm on the road driving and I'm, I don't have a lot of road rage, but you know, when someone like you know, cuts me off or does something like really, you know, like inconsiderate and instead of like, you know, responding with anger or rage, you know, what I like to tell myself is like that person must really, really, really have to poop and they've <laughs> got to get home so fast <laughs> that they have to cut me off. They had to speed. And I'm like, and that kind of makes me laugh. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Like I am going to definitely try that one next time. Wow. <laughs> wowzers yes like okay someone just cut me off and they just have to poop uh, I can understand <laughs> that I can relate with that yeah go go and be free go and poop you know like wow thank you so much for bringing that laughter and humor in there because I know for a fact <laughs> I'm gonna be thinking that next time that something like that happens anyways awesome <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, that was something I needed in my life that I didn't oh have. Oh, my God. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, well, this has been a big talk, and I I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners or, you know, any message that you want to spread to the world? One is, you know, it is important to do the work. You know, Einstein said the only way out is through. But however, I don't believe that you have to do the work mm. alone. You know, reaching out to your local community groups, you know, reaching out to, you know, a counselor or therapist, reaching out to a friend, you know, being able to connect with communities that do co-counseling, 
you know, that it's important to do the work for sure, but I would not be where I am without all the love, all the support, all the body work, all the healing work, all the Reiki, all the EFT, all the craniosacral, all the counseling that I have, you know, been fortunate enough to Mm -hmm. experience and have come Mm -hmm. into my life that allows me to become the person who I am now. And so... Yeah, definitely want to share that. And the other thing that comes up is that if we could just take a moment to take a collective deep breath together and even deeper exhalation together, like just fully, full permission. Ready? Okay, All let's right. do it. Let's deep do breath it. in. Deeper breath out. Ah. <sighs> Want to do one more? Oh, do you want to do one good. more? Yes, let's do one let's more. Do okay, ready? Deep breath in. Hold it at the top. And slowly let it out. And drop the shoulders. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Lori. That was amazing. I feel so much better. I also want to just leave our listeners with um, one important call to action. I want you to write us your questions. What do you want us to talk about? What do you want to learn about healing? And we'll drop the information in the show notes so that you know where to write us. But we want to hear your questions. We also want to hear your stories. So if you have stories that you would like to share with us, sometimes that is so healing just to share your story with someone who can hold that space for you. I would love to invite you to share your story. And again, we'll leave the information where to get in touch with us in the show notes. So yes. Awesome. That's it. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Claire. Thank you, Lori. Mm, So glad to be here with you all. Have a great one. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the Empowered Adoptee Podcast, and we look forward to connecting with you more next week. Thank you.